0: Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Mesa Christian Church. Thank you, Pastor Timothy James Davey. It's all good. It's official. Awesome. You can take a seat this morning. It's great to see you here. And uh, awesome. Who's well? Oh, lots of hands. That's awesome. That's good. It's good to be well. And... uh, You know, it's just good to be in church together this morning. Just one thing before I um, get into this message. Uh, This Tuesday, um, we are having a National Day of Prayer and Fasting for our nation, uh, in general, for our nation, basically. And uh, I just want to read you something that uh, Pastor Wayne Alcorn, who is... uh, uh, basically, directing, I guess he's on the national director of our movement, which is Australian Christian Churches. And on Tuesday, um, over 1,100 churches are combining together to pray uh, in their churches. And now, also, many other churches from different denominations are joining in on the same day. And he's just written some things here um, to us. Uh, and let's want to share this. He said, um, I've been encouraged by the warm and enthusiastic. Enthusiastic response to my call for a national day of prayer and fasting across our movement this coming Tuesday. In fact, other church groups have decided to join us and stand united in praying for the Lord's intervention in our land. Many of uh, the issues which you see in society today are merely a symptom that our nation is desperately in need of a spiritual awakening. It was the great Bible commentator Matthew Henry who said, When God intends great mercy for his people, he first gets them praying. In prep and preparing to lead our nation in prayer, let's be encouraged by the scriptures and saying. Chronicles 7, 14 carries great promise that God will heal our land. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sin and will heal their land. Let us also be encouraged by Elisha, a man like us whose prayer resulted in breakthrough in the great time of need. Elisha was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain and did not rain on the land for three and a half years again he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops in james 5 17 18 note elisha's prayer affected the atmosphere and some other points here that we'll be praying for and saying to pray for on tuesday night we are seeking the Lord's intervention in the following his church in Isaiah says arise shine for your light has come in righteous government praying for our government in intercession thanksgiving being made for all people for kings and all those in authority that we may have lived peaceful and quiet lives in all goodness and holiness in 1st Timothy 2 1 and 2 praying for our families prayer to be strengthened and bless our families and future generations praying for our nation that because righteousness it says in Proverbs exalts a nation and our World since my last email things have escalated in the Korean Peninsula and hostilities between governments are a great concern for all humanity. Let's pray for peace in that region and for a clear voice to emerge that stand for peace and restoration. I'm believing that as we come together to fast and pray, we will have the confidence of Jeremiah 33:3 that says, if we call on him, he will answer. Thank you for taking up the call to prayer and believing that we will truly see a spiritual awakening in our nation. And so uh, this Tuesday, this church is doing in very in various ways, but uh, we are asking, and we've said all our life groups this week... Uh, to come together, to not meet in homes and that, but come here on Tuesday night at 7 p.m. And and uh, and we encourage you to sort of fast if you can. That could be the whole day. That could be a meal. Maybe you've never done that before, but maybe you could... The Bible talks a lot about fasting. I'm not going to talk about that at all that now, but... Um, Prayer and fasting is so powerful. It makes me think about uh, the story of Esther. That in her nation, that she faced something, you know, terrible in their nation. Their whole people were going to be wiped out. They're going to be killed uh, because of a because of a declaration from the king who was kind of tricked into changing that law by another evil man. And they were facing it. And so, what did they do? The first thing they did is they, the whole nation of Israel had three days of prayer and fasting. Everyone prayed and fasted. And within, within a week, basically, the whole situation changed and it was turned on its head. And the, and the truth that was hidden was actually revealed and, uh, and the, you know, the, the, the plan or that evil plan was exposed and to that nation and that guy got taken care of or whatever and they were saved. And, you know, we're not facing the same, same kind of circumstances, but there's an attack on our nation of not, you know, and there's many, many issues. And, and it's not, we're not just talking about, you know, same-sex marriage. That's like a thing that's happening. But there's, there's an attack on our families. There's an attack on freedom of speech. There's all these other, many other issues that are, that are like happening in the, the background that are maybe sort of sitting there but people aren't sort of realising. And we're praying really for our nation that uh, God, that the truth will be shown. And that when evil plans will be exposed and that, that, you know, that righteousness does exalt a nation. So I'm saying, you know, I love our nation. Who loves our nation? I love Australia. People come to Australia and go, gee, I wish I could live here forever because they just love our nation so much. And, uh, and so we're saying, if you love our nation, come and pray. Come and pray. Maybe you don't usually come out to when we have a prayer meeting or something like that. I'm asking, come and pray. Come and join together with thousands of others, tens of thousands. There's over 300,000 people in our ACC churches alone in this nation, and uh, and they're the ones that are coming together plus more to pray. So let's pray this Tuesday night, 7 o'clock here, and I encourage you to come and uh, and do that. It'll only be for an hour, 7 to 8 o'clock, and uh, this Tuesday night. Last Sunday night, uh, I talked about, and some of you would have been here, and, and many of you probably weren't, but I talked about uh, truth, and about speaking the truth, and, uh, and I want to continue with that today, and I'm going to go over some things I talked about last Sunday night, so some of you will hear some things again, but that's okay, and many of you wouldn't have heard some things, but I want to talk about truth today uh, that is happening, and what real truth is, and, and more specifically, I want to then go and talk about speaking the truth in love. And what that really means. And, you know, as I said just before, there's a battle in our nation over many things at the moment. Over, you know, over marriage, over family, over freedom of speech and over truth. And I want to talk about the battle over truth. And it's sad to know that, you know, there's sometimes what's been happening. And, and you know, we, if we talk about media and some things like that. Uh, you know, we've seen um, the, over the last weeks even. I'm going to share one example in a moment where mainstream media... Um, has not knowingly not spoken the truth and deliberately lied. And you might say, well that's nothing new. Um, but it's but it's it's gone to another level. It's actually hiding the truth and actually deliberately doing it because of a certain agenda or a certain thing they wanted to do, which is pretty bad and, and because it's a you know media is it to be a trustworthy source or supposedly should be and present the truth because it's presenting it to so many people. And recently, I don't know, like about two weeks ago I don't know if you heard. There was, um, there was. It was on every media outlet, paper and uh, and on TV. um, They threw up this um, poster. uh, There was a terrible poster against um, you know gay and lesbian. Uh, people and it was it was terrible what it was saying and all that kind of stuff and and then this guy and where it came from is a guy put this photo on uh on social media and said i was walking through the streets of melbourne and i took a picture of this poster and uh, and basically say how dare those that are for you know traditional marriage look what they've done look at this poster you know and all this kind of stuff and they put it on social media and all the you know all the main media seven nine ten and all that and papers all started throwing this up and he said these posters are all over Melbourne and so and then people are like that's terrible whatever and uh, people on talk shows and I saw some interviews that night and they were saying what about this poster what about you know isn't this terrible how can you you know be how come you're attacking these poor people and all that and and all this and they were saying all this stuff anyway so the next day these major um, news uh, organizations went into the streets of Melbourne to find these posters and they couldn't find one and, uh, and, the, and, then, and then later that day, um, that night, the next day, Channel 10 bring out this um, news article and, in there and, and stuff, and they basically say, look, here's one on a bus stop. And they showed this bus stop with a full-size poster this big of, a, of that same poster up there, and people were like outraged, going, that's terrible, whatever. Then people started doing some investigation, and they started looking at the photo and realised that the bus stop... That one in the picture was in America. And the poster, then the guy who had originally said he took a picture of the poster, suddenly came out and said, Oh, I didn't actually take a picture of the poster in the streets. A friend of mine sent it to me and said it was in the streets. And then they find out the poster was actually made by an organisation, not a good organisation, in America several years ago, and that had just been sent to this guy. And then Channel 10, because they couldn't find the poster in the streets, they grabbed it and photoshopped it onto the side of a bus thing and put it on national television and said, look how terrible people are coming against homosexuals and lesbians and saying all this stuff. And, pe- and then people were outraged at Channel 10. And, and it made me think, you know... So all, but and every every media outlet actually just said it's all over the place, but none of them went and checked. And so they, for their own, because they thought, oh, this is good. This is this is we we're going to expose this stuff, but none of them checked. And so they just lied. They didn't have the truth. They just lied about it. And then Channel Ten were forced to admit that yes, we photoshopped it. Yes, we made it up to suit. The story and the, ho- and the poster has never been found and never, ever existed. And so we're, you know, and, and that's one of quite a few things that have happened in the last couple of weeks. And, uh, and so, which is absolutely terrible. And so then people suddenly go, well, how can we, you know, if, how can we trust media? Or is it what they're saying is true? Is that true? Is that true? Is that the truth? Is it, you know, and why would they go to that extent to make up something like that. And so I want to talk about truth today. And and so, because it's important that, you know, Jesus always spoke the truth. And we're going to talk, I want to show in the life of Jesus how he spoke the truth. And it's important because ultimately all of us, our society, no matter who they are, they want to know the truth. Is that right? People want to know that they don't want to be lied to. I don't want to be lied to. You don't want to be lied to. You want to know it's the truth. And so they're searching for the truth. And so one way to uh, know what the truth is, is maybe defining what the truth isn't. And here's something I just want to read. Truth is not simply whatever works. This is a philosophy of pragmatism, an end versus a means type approach. In reality, lies can appear to work, but they are still lies and not the truth. Truth is not simply what is coherent or understandable. A group of people can get together and form a conspiracy based on a set of falsehoods where they all agree to tell the same false story, but it does not make their presentation true. Truth is not what makes people feel good. Unfortunately, bad news can be true. Truth is not what the majority says is true. 51% of, of of, of a group can reach a wrong conclusion. Truth is not what is comprehensive. A lengthy, detailed presentation can still result in a false conclusion. Truth is not defined by what is intended. Good intentions can still be wrong. Truth is, not how we, uh, tr- truth is not how we know. Truth is what we know. Truth is not simply what is believed. A lie believed is still a lie. Truth is not what is publicly proved. A truth can be privately known. For example, the location of buried treasure. Has anyone got any buried treasure anywhere? Inside? Good. The Greek word for truth is aletheia, which literally means to unhide or hiding nothing. It conveys the thought that truth is always there, always open and available for all to see, with nothing being hidden or obscured. The Hebrew word for truth is emeth, which means firmness, constancy and duration such a definition implies an everlasting substance and something that can be relied upon and so truth is something that is fixed something that has a foundation something that is solid something that is secu- that is secure and unfortunately where We've seen, you know, truth sort of, you know, all kind of versions of truth being thrown around saying this is true, that's true. But when you go through all that, it's actually not in a foundation. It's not secure. It's not solid. Jesus always spoke the truth. He spoke the truth when it was inconvenient. He spoke the truth even if it wasn't popular. He spoke the truth because it was the right thing to do. And he spoke the truth because he is the truth. It says in John 14, 6, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus valued truth more than the risk of offense. So sometimes when you speak the truth, some people will get offended. Now, people got offended at Jesus. He, there's a difference, though, of deliberately going, I've, I know I'm right, I've got the truth, and I'm going to tell this person... Then I'm going to tell them the truth. I'm going to. They're going to hear the truth from me. And if they get offended, well, good. They should get offended because they need to know the truth. Jesus never did that. He always spoke the truth in love. And there's a difference. And you know, and, and I've seen Christians do this badly, where they go and they know the truth and they can be right. But and I'm going to show a sto- read a story a bit later on that shows this really powerfully. But. You know, and they can be right and go, yeah, and they can tell, but the other person gets terribly offended and feels condemned because of the way the truth is presented. So Jesus valued the truth more than the risk of offence. But some people, mainly religious leaders, who had their own agenda, who had their own you know, way, of the, you know, our own rules, we want... Because you know when Jesus came, they all they like had control over the people. They added 600, over 600 laws to the Bible so that people basically can, can be controlled. So they can go, well, you have to come to us, you have to report to us, you have to do this, you have to do that. And they added all these extra things. Jesus came and started to diffuse all those extras... And started to go, well, no, that's not true. And started to speak, and then they didn't like it. So then when Jesus begins to speak the truth, they got uptight. They got offended, saying, oh, we've got to get rid of this Jesus. And then they turned in to say, how can we get rid of him? We need to remove him because he's, he's showing the truth. He's revealing the truth. He's revealing us to look bad. He loved them still, but just him by just speaking the truth, you know, Convicted them, and they were like, Oh, we need to do something about this. But, there's, but 95% of the people were so hungry for truth that they're saying, Jesus, please tell us more. They were hungry to know the truth. Jesus always spoke the truth in love. So, we're going to talk about truth and love. The truth that Jesus spoke all, uh, had a foundation, it has a, had a fixed point. It, has, it was grounded and didn't change over time. In fact, the, the Bible hasn't changed over any time at all. It was written and hasn't been changed. What it said is what it still says today. John 17, 14 to 17 says "Is "'I've given them your word, and the, word has, and the world has hated them, "'for they are not of the world any more than I'm of the world. "'My prayer is that not that you take them out of the world.'" This is Jesus praying for his disciples, praying for us in the future, My prayer is you don't take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of this world, even as I'm not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Then it says, your word is truth. Clearly says, the word of God is truth. And real truth, and the first point is real truth has its foundation in God's word, and you can and there's many examples of this. But one is like you know there's theories out there of all different things, and a the theory of evolution, um, which is like you know how how the world began, all that kind of stuff. And as science discovers more things about our our world, our universe, our planet, over time, those theories have always had to be changed. And so there's a theory of evolution where they're going, Oh no, now that's not tens of thousands, that's hundreds of thousands, and that's not millions, now that's tens of thousands, and, and, and so they, they're changing and that happens all the time. They're changing stuff all the time. And I'm amazed to know that every time they discover something new about science, they're having to change their theories, but everything that is discovered actually always fits with the Word of God. Always does. If it, if it didn't, there would be big, oh, look, it doesn't fit. But you can get all this stuff, it actually fits in all the time. But the Bible, it just confirms what the Bible has said. It confirms what it says about creation, confirms what it says about life and our world. And it all fits. Every time I discover it, the Bible, something, oh, we've got to change the Bible again because it's, we found out something new. It's never been changed. But the theories about other things have to be changed constantly as we discover new things. So truth, real truth, I'm going to call it, has a fixed point, is grounded. And there's many so-called truths being spoken in our world today that don't have fixed points. In other words, they change constantly to suit a situation, an agenda, an idea, or a feeling. That kind of truth is born out of selfishness. It would say, I'm right. This is the truth. This is what I believe to be true. And don't you disagree with me. Don't you dare. To, this is the truth. Don't you tell me it's wrong because this is the truth and you should believe it because I've, I've found it to be true. And there could be no grounding, not, nothing to back it up, but no, this is true. This is true. This is what I believe is true. It can be very intolerant to like, you know, this is my truth and don't you dare tell me this is what I believe. In other words... There's no love or grace associated with that type of truth. When it becomes very selfish, that doesn't come with love and grace because it's self-centred. It's all about me, I'm right, I want to be right, I want to justify the way I want to do things. I want to justify the way I want to live, and so this, I believe this is true, and don't you tell me that's not true. Otherwise, you'll cop it. So here's an example of an unfixed truth, and not with not with talking about this subject too much, but um, there's a there's a programme in our schools called Safe Schools Programmes. It's in not in Queensland schools. It's in only very... Maybe one or two. I'm not sure if it's in them anymore. But in Victoria, it's in quite a few schools, 307 schools in Victoria and New South Wales. And it's a programme... In, in, you'd have to... Some of you know about it. Some of you may not. But it's a programme that has a whole lot... It's meant to be an anti-bullying programme, but teaches basically about sexuality. And so... In, as part of the program, now I'm I'm trying to give an example here of a truth that's unfixed. Um, In part of the program, they teach uh, children as young as 13, some younger, but 13 and up mainly, that they talk about gender. And they said there's not just male and female, there's actually 63 genders. And so, and some of you, I don't know if you've heard about this, but it's been, it's quite easy to find, it's material, all that kind of stuff, but they teach, and I can't, and I read through some agendas, and I can't even make sense of some of them, what they're talking about, but there's all these genders made up, and saying, and this is what they basically say, now your gender isn't fixed, that's what, how it's taught, so your, you know, its so this week, you can be, you might be, you might be male this week, but next week, you might feel like you're female and that's okay. So next week you can be female. And then, uh, and then you might, and the next week, okay, they said it can change from week to week all the time. And so next week though, you might feel a bit in between. So you might be a bit of both. And so, and so they're teaching this to kids. Like, yeah, exactly. And so, and so, and I'm thinking like, man, like I could imagine a 13 year old sitting there going, well, I just thought I was a boy. Can, we, can I just go play soccer? I just don't Do I have to sit and listen to this? Can we just do some maths? Can we do some English? I just want to read a book. I don't really want to hear this. And so, but they're being taught this. And so since that has been brought in, you know, you can imagine what's the repercussions of that. Like you said, it's confusion. And you're right, because since they've started teaching that, there's been a 600% increase in uh, children being admitted to clinics with gender confusion, in Victoria and so and the scary part about it is that they the school won't give info to parents about when they're teaching it and the parents can't pull their kids out of the program it's compulsory and all this stuff's going on but I just want to highlight the point that that's they're saying this is true your gender isn't just that it changes all the time but the problem is they're saying it's fluid in other words their truth has no grounding it has no fixed point. It has no foundation. And so in, f- and in fact, the, the science doesn't even back it up. And, uh, and it's kind of like, so there's all this stuff going on. And I think, man, all it's going to do is bring confusion into people's lives. So then we look at something else. The Bible, okay, God's Word, gives us real truth about how to treat people on all different subjects. talks about how you should treat people, how about the power of our words as life and death is in the power of your tongue. About marriage, about family, about anger about forgiveness and many many more subjects just about all these other subjects how did tim talk about how to handle finances and money and wealth and possessions and and all this kind of stuff it gives us truth about that and the powerful thing about the bible is this Because those examples were given, we can actually read about real life accounts in people's lives and we can see the results of when people stood for the real truth and lived by the real truth and what happened. And we can look at when they didn't, went up against it, we can see the result of what happened when they didn't. And the truths that are being thrown out in our nation at the moment have none of that to back it up. They've got a 600% increase in the people admitted to a clinic... But they haven't got these examples over a long period of time where the Bible shows truth. An example of a fixed truth, now you can look at any of those subjects, a whole lot of stuff. So a fixed truth example, make this real easy, is sleep. The Bible talks about we need to have a rest, we need to sleep. There's many, there's about over 50 scriptures that talk about sleep. So this is real basic, yeah it is real basic. And you know the... Bible talks about Jesus. He slept several times. He's in a boat, sleeping in the middle of a storm, all that kind of stuff. So we all know that we need sleep. Who needs sleep? I just said this on Sunday night, and I said who's, I said the longest I've been up is about 36 hours. And uh, I said anyone have been up longer, and all the transformation guys threw up their hand, and I figured that would be good on you guys. And so, so you can stay up the longest, and, um, but we need sleep. And if you don't get some sleep... You know, what happens? You get tired, yes, but your body starts to get sick. It starts to break. All this kind of stuff happens when you don't get sleep. And so, you know, but, you know just imagine I was someone who thought, well, I don't think I need sleep. I don't, I don't think that's right. I'm going to come with my own thing. I'm just not going to sleep. I'm going to do something else instead. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to keep fishing for weeks and I'm not going to sleep and no one's going to stop me because I believe that's going to be right and then who knows what might happen probably fall out of the boat and so and so there was a young guy in Japan a teenager about 3-4 years ago who uh, basically thought this and he loved computer games and was playing an online game and, uh, and he thought I don't need to sleep I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I don't need to do that I'm just going to keep playing this game because I like it, because I love it. And so he's basically playing this game, playing this game for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. It gets to 81 hours. And he fell off his chair dead. Dropped dead from lack of sleep. Real simple that that is a truth in the Word of God. Real simple one, but the Bible talks about rest and sleep. You can go against that all you want, But there's consequences when we speak against, when we stand up against, when we go against real truth. There's benefits for real truth, though. In John 8, 8, 31, 32, To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So let's turn that around If you believe something that isn't true or a false truth, you might have been told it's true and believe it is, but if you believe that and begin living out that thing that isn't really truth, what's going to happen? It's going to have the opposite effect. Instead of being free, it's going to bind someone up. And so there's people out there that are maybe, you know, believing certain things. And I've heard people say, you know, years down the track... They were told something and lived a certain way or whatever, told by a family member or friend or whatever. They believed that to be true, or the right way to live. And then they come years later, they, when their life's a bit of a mess and it's all falling apart, they're going, I believed the lie. You hear them say the phrase, I believed the lie. I thought it was true, but I believed the lie. And they've suffered the consequences of living out that thing that wasn't true. Why is speaking the truth so powerful? Because when we the real truth is applied to our lives, it brings positive benefit and protection. God loves us and cares for us, so he wants us to hear the truth, even at the risk of offending us. He, the Word of God, you can read it sometimes, and you think, well, that's pretty full on. That's like in my face. I get a bit offended at that, reading that, that you know, God would say I need to do this or not do that or whatever. But he does it because he loves us. Because he said the other way is going to be much worse for you. It's going to cause much more hurt and pain. But this way, if you live this way, it will protect you because I love you. The third thing is this. So the first thing was that real truth has a foundation in God's Word. The second thing is, is knowing real truth brings freedom. And the third thing is truth goes hand in hand with love. In 1 Corinthians 13, 1-3, it says, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels... But do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give only my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love rejoices with the truth. And when we speak the truth without love, we sound like (coughs) a clanging cymbal. haven't got time to do it this morning, but uh, on Sunday night, I grabbed a drumstick and walked into the drum cage and whacked a cymbal for about a minute, uh, which deafened everyone in the building. uh, But wanted to make the point is that when we speak the truth, when we don't speak the truth in love, sorry, when we speak the truth without love, like I was saying earlier, It's like all people can hear, they feel condemnation. All they can hear is uh, like you clanging a cymbal, like blah, 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 blah. I hear blah, blah, blah. All you want to do is you want to condemn me. You think I'm bad. You think I've done the wrong thing. Blah, 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 blah. You can have the truth, present the truth, but when we do it in the wrong way, people just get offended. just sounds like noise coming from you. sounds like, Noise, a cymbal, clanging and clanging and clanging. 1 John 3, 18 says, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. I just want to talk about this story today. The story about the Samaritan woman. And uh, Jesus one day is on his way somewhere comes through Samaria and uh, deliberately travels that way. And some of you would know this story, some may wouldn't. Uh, but eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because the disciples had gone to the village to buy some food. The woman... Was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. He's like, What is he doing here? Jews don't even talk to us. Why is he sitting here looking at me? Finding my spot again. If you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan, why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied. So she said, she said Why are you asking me for a drink, Jesus? because we don't talk to each other. If you only knew, Jesus, says, the gift that God has for you, And who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again and I won't have to come here to get water. She thought, this is, a, this is a great day. Give me that water, everlasting water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband for you have had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now you certainly spoke the truth. And in that time in Samaria, you know, to do what she was doing, you know, it was like everyone didn't want to hang out with her. She had five husbands. She was living the wrong way and all that kind of stuff. And so that's why she is at the well by herself because she's got no friends because no one wanted to be with her. And Jesus deliberately takes a detour to the well to meet her at the exact time that she was going to arrive by herself. What about this, though? What if Jesus, instead of talking to her like he did at the start, what if he just simply started off the conversation like this? Hey, hey, woman, go get your husband. Oh, I don't have a husband. Yeah, you're right. You've had five husbands. And the man you're living with now, he's not even your husband either, is he? Huh? No, you're right, you're right, sir, you're right. What do you think she's going to do? I'll come back and get water a bit later. Was he speaking the truth? Yes, he was. What I love about Jesus is this. Jesus began by offering her the answer before he talked about the problem. He starts talking about living water. The very thing she needed—not physical water, but living water. He related to what she was doing and starts to talk about living water that she needed on the inside, because she was so empty, she was so dry, she was so broken, so hurting. So he he begins to talk about this living water. She goes, "I want that. I want that." And then he goes, "Okay, if you want that, we need to deal with this." And he just asks a question, and that was a a. a, a A gift a word of knowledge in her life that she goes she's thinking how do you know that and then she quickly changes the subject to get off that subject about that and starts talking about worship and things like this and asks a few other questions and then it comes back and says this the woman said i know the messiah is coming the one who is called christ when he comes he will explain everything to us then jesus told her i am the messiah i am the messiah and if you keep reading that incredible story for the next two days, she, she runs back to her town, starts telling people about, you've got to come and meet this guy. He, started, he told me about everything about me and he, I don't know how he knew it all and I think he's the Messiah. And these people come out and they meet Jesus and they invite him back into a place that they wouldn't even want to have a Jew to be in, that they think they hate us. They, they, Jesus is a Jew, he wouldn't want to talk to us. They invite The whole village invites him in. He stays for two days and the whole place is changed. Well, because Jesus deliberately went out of his way to speak the truth in love to a lady who was desperately in need. As we finish today, I just want to read this. There's a guy called uh, Joe Battaglia who wrote this and it's, and it's very good. In John 4, Jesus went out of his way to find someone, in this case a Samaritan woman, who society said he should avoid. That's the first step in finding common ground. You often must go outside your comfort zone, whether it's geographically, emotionally or, or, or politically. Jesus showed us the second point of finding a common ground when he did not condemn the Samaritan woman. John John 3:17 tells us Jesus does not condemn and neither should we he didn't yell at her for her sin or heap shame upon her he intersected her life to show God's love and reorientate her focus to God's truth bringing a person face to face with their sin is not the work is is the work of the Holy Spirit it is not it is he who convicts in John 16:7 to 11. Note it says he convicts and not condemns. Neither Jesus nor the Holy Spirit condemns people. Conviction does not leave love out of the equation whereas condemnation leaves no room for love. Conviction is born of love. Condemnation from a lack of love and compassion. John 3:17 says for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through Him. Our world at this time needs us to speak the truth in love. doesn't need condemnation. We don't need to tell people they're wrong. You're doing the wrong thing, you're doing that. We need to, we need to present the truth and live the truth in love. And if you can't, if you want to speak to someone and you're not going to present the truth in love, then don't say anything at all. Go home and begin to pray for that person until you have a love for that person, a compassion for that person, then go and speak to them. Speak the truth in love. Worship team, do you want to come up? I want to finish with this story. On Friday night, Friday night at Kids Club, most of, the, most of the kids that come to our kids club, at least 80% of them um, don't come to church on a Sunday. Um, their families don't come to church or anything like that, but they love kids club. And, uh, and they come from families that are very broken families with lots of stuff We have stuff going on and issues. And, and a lot of them you know, might have only one, a mum or a dad or something like that and, and all this kind of stuff. And uh, so Friday night we were, t- we we're doing a, a game show night and team games and things like that. And, uh, and I was just gonna share a short devotion about that, about teamwork and being on a team and what that means. And, and I showed a, shared a funny video about teamwork and then I shared a story uh, about the four men that went and found their mate who was a cripple. Who was crippled laying on a mat, obviously had to be carried everywhere, begged for probably food. Or money during the day and all that kind of stuff and they hear that jesus is speaking in a house and the place is packed There's people sitting in windows and on the floor and everywhere and they grab their mate because they thought if we take him to jesus maybe jesus can heal him because they'd heard he can and so they carry i don't know how many kilometers it was but they carry their mate probably four of them on a stretcher well they get there the place is packed says no you can't get in there's no room so these guys get on top of the roof and some of you know the story when they dig a hole in the roof And I thought, we haven't carried him all this way for nothing. And they lower him down through the roof, right in front of Jesus. And I start, and these kids are sitting there. And some of the kids, you know, they've got very short attention spans, some of them and all that. And I start sharing this story. And all of a sudden, as I start sharing this story halfway through, there's not one peep. Their eyes are glaring at me. And I suddenly thought, most of these kids have never heard any story like this ever in their life. Never heard this story before. And I listen, and listen, I get through the story and then I start and I get to the point and I, and I wasn't sure how far I was going to take it or I was going to do. And I thought, man, these, these kids, they, all they need to do is they just need to hear, they need love and they need to have the truth spoken into their lives because it never is. And so I, I begin to speak and share this whole story and I said, and then the guy's laying there in front of Jesus and Jesus didn't heal him straight away. He actually looked at the man and, and said, hey, he said, you know, he looked at his heart, basically, and said, you know, you know, he, he said, I can offer you forgiveness. He said, I can forgive you of all your sin. He looked beyond his, his physical condition and said, I can offer you salvation. I can offer you forgiveness for your sin. And all these religious leaders were there mad at Jesus. All these people are watching. And then I talked about salvation. I talked about what Jesus had done and he paid the price for our sin and what sin was to these kids. And they're all listening. Just absorbing it. It's like that, like that woman sitting around a well. Jesus starts talking about living water. And, and, and they were just like, it's like living water. I was like speaking. and It was like they were just drinking all this in going, this is what I need to hear. This is what I need to hear. Tell me what's this. This tell me about my life. And I start talking about all this stuff. And I talked about salvation. And then I said, after he did that, he, said, he, he offered forgiveness. He, then, he said, then I said, he reached out his hand, the man's hand, and he said, get up. And walk, get up and stand up and walk. And, and I said, power and strength came in his legs and made the brand new. And the guy stood up and all the kids in the place just went, wow. In other words, they'd never hear it. Sometimes we assume. <laughs> they'd never heard anything like that, any stories about Jesus healing people. And then I said, you know, your heart might be like that man's heart. and You need forgiveness. And I said, how many of you would like to receive Jesus and be forgiven of your sin? And ten hands went straight up. And then I said it again. I said, explain it again. Explain about forgiveness. And I said, and who wants to do this? Who wants to give the same ten hands went straight up. And then I prayed with them and they all gave their life to Jesus. And all they needed to hear was truth of God's word presented with love. And because I loved them and cared for them, they they were a sponge ready to receive what God had for them. Why don't you stand to your feet today? Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.